0: last week, or you'll notice by just glancing at the text, that we'll be, this morning, discussing authority. Specifically, we'll be discussing the authority of government. If you have any large family gatherings coming up, may I suggest you just grab your Bibles and read Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7 together in your family gatherings, and while you're at it, let's, uh, let's add religion and politics and authority into the middle of this conversation, let's just sit back and see what happens. You know what, while you're at it, you might want to add vaccines, you should probably add mask requirements, you should probably add uh, school options of public, of private, of home school, Um, how much money you made last year, make sure that gets included into the conversation, and you can even actually toss in why Aunt Betty cannot make mashed potatoes the right way. All of these, I think, are the great family conversations that we should all be be having around our family dinners. Uh, If you do this, be sure and don't invite me. I don't don't want to be a part of that. But but do record it just so that the rest of us can see how you you walk through that. Why is it that these things are so difficult for us to talk about? Well, I, I think it comes down to passion and it comes down to our values. If I'm passionate about something, I will often place a high value on that specific thing. It's then upsetting to me, and it's also completely foreign to me, if you don't have the same passions and don't have the same value system as I do. After all, we're family. We should be passionate about similar things. We should value similar things, if only that were the case. Our text this morning, I believe, pushes against Our most passionate and our highest values. No matter who you are, what your family background is like, or even your age, I guarantee you are passionate and you hold an extremely high value for this one single item you. You are passionate about you, you value you. In fact, there's little in this world that holds a greater value to you than you. You spend most of your day investing in and caring for you. You maybe are trying to improve you. You maybe have set up some New Year's resolutions for you. Stats show that about this time of the year, you are probably failing in those resolutions that you set up for yourself. In all of this, though, you value you. You are passionate about you. You have authority over you. What happens when someone else tells you what to do? Gross. I I don't like that. You don't know me like I know me. What gives you the right to tell me what I can do? I'm speaking right now to a bunch of individuals who are privileged to live in these United States of America. I know of no other nation where the power of you is so promoted. We have entire documents which lay out your rights as a you. These documents tell us what authorities can and cannot do as it relates to you. However, from the same authority that tells us what's the rights that we do have, we also have them telling us what we can and cannot do. I don't like that part as much. I want to do what I want when I want. Welcome to sin. As it turns out, my ultimate desire is Me. Will you read with me Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4? The text says this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. I believe that this text is actually pretty clear. The difficulty of this text doesn't lie in interpreting its meaning. It lies instead in us applying the text to our lives and therefore submitting to the text. Again, our problem comes down to our love for ourselves. When the Bible is clear, let the Bible be clear. If you remember last week, Justin walked us through uh, this image. Teresa, if you would place that first image up for me. It's an image of God of our governing authorities and of you. We discussed last week how God has instituted authority. Verse 1 is clear that this is the case. This text here actually builds upon itself. We first need to understand that the authorities that are placed above us are from God. Verse 2, though, builds upon that. Therefore, it says this, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Therefore, if the authority is from God, as verse 1 says, then we should follow what that authority says. Again, this text is very clear. The applications of this text are very difficult. And unfortunately, this text doesn't anywhere talk about how we are to respond to to the authorities that are above us when those authorities go against God and against his decrees. This text speaks nothing of those. This text, in fact, presents these authorities in an extremely positive light. It doesn't speak directly to the thoughts that are coursing through our minds right now in regards to how do we respond to bad authority? How do we respond to an authority that goes against God? How do we respond to and you can fill in the blanks. The text does not speak to this. However, I want to speak to this, even though it's not the focus of this text. First, there's an understanding within this text that I think helps us to understand how we respond. My understanding is simple. It is God is sovereign. If there's one thing that this text should cause us to see, it is that God is in control. This can be difficult for us to understand. However, our understanding of God's sovereignty helps us to understand all other circumstances. If God is truly in control of all things, if he truly is sovereign, then how we respond to all things should be different. How we respond to good news... (laughs) changes how we respond to bad news especially should change do you believe this morning that god is in control of all things including the things that you are scared of the things that you are fearful of the things that as you look at your calendar monday through friday of this upcoming week do you believe god is in control and is sovereign over all of those things Is he in control of all the things you want control over? Is he in control of the bad news that you might have just received? Again, sovereignty of God is easy to discuss, but it can be very difficult for us to apply it to our lives. The second thing I think we can see within this text, which um, as we're looking through the perfect authority that we see here, is that God established authority and government. The text, again, is clear. God has established authority and has established government. Government within itself is neutral. Government is from God, but it is within itself neutral. I love government. Let me take that statement a little further. When I get a drink of clean water from our public water system. I'm thankful that the government has set up the correct systems to clean and to distribute water to my house. There are some governments in this world where even this simple act is not possible. I also love that the government takes criminals off the streets. This protects me and my family. I enjoy government whenever it operates as I desire for it to operate. However, there are other areas where I particularly don't like the government. Teresa, can you place our next image for us? For instance, (laughs) I don't want the government to tell me how fast I can go. I want to go as fast as I want to go. I would like to drive at my preferred speed, especially if I need to make up time, if I'm late, or if I've got a long drive ahead of me. I would love to not look down at my speedometer to check how fast I'm going. I'd much rather just cruise at the speed that I feel is appropriate. This is the exact reason we need government. I am sinful. You are sinful. If we are both doing what we think is right in our own eyes, can you imagine the chaos that would occur on 1604? The current chaos of 1604 would be nothing compared to the chaos with no set standard. How should a Christian respond to a speed limit? a tougher question. Again, let's look at the text. Will you read Romans chapter 13 verses 3 and 4 with me? For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrong Doer. Let's do a quick heart check here. You're cruising down Highway 37, heading to the coast. It's a beautiful, warm, sunny day outside. In fact, the day is so perfect, and this is a perfect day, there's not another car in sight. As you're driving, you crest over the top of a hill. And sitting in the median is a highway patrolman. What goes through your mind at this point? Let me read verses 3 and 4 again. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. I'll say it again. These verses are relatively clear. The problem lies within us and our own hearts. We want to disagree. We want to manipulate these verses to not apply to something as small and as minuscule as a speed limit. In fact, we use a specific GPS app on our phone that notifies us, police officer, ahead. By the way, are there any other parents out there that really dislike digital speedometers now? Once your kid is able to read numbers, you suddenly have a little speed trap sitting in the back seat notifying you at all times, Mommy, you're going one mile over. Daddy, the speed limit says 60. Thank you. Again, the problem is not the sign on the road. The problem is here. The problem is our hearts. I want to read this from a commentary on verse 3. Teresa, if you could put that slide up. This commentary comes from the uh, Believer's uh, Bible Commentary, and it says this. As a rule, people who do what is right need not fear the authorities. It is only those who break the law who have to fear punishment. So if anyone wants to enjoy a life free from tickets fines, trials, and imprisonments, the thing to do is be a law-abiding citizen. Then he will win the approval of the authorities, not their censure. This is a commentary from verse 3 of Romans chapter 13. The text here says that the rulers are there to come against the bad. If you are breaking the law, then there should be a fear within you in regards to authority. If you aren't breaking the law, then you receive, as the text says, the authority's approval. Hold up. I really don't care whether I receive the approval of the authority or not. I don't care whether the highway patrolman approves of me or not. I don't care whether my mayor approves of me or not. I disagree with him. I disagree with them. Should we even care? whether the government approves of our actions? Well, let's look at the text once again and read the beginning of verse 4. For he is God's servant for your good. The authority in question here is God's servant. By simply being a good citizen, we are doing what God asks of us. It isn't the actual authority that we are seeking approval from. In fact, there might be times, and there most likely will be times, our actions will go against the approval of the authority, and we would be justified in doing so. Again, this text doesn't speak to those situations. All right, let's now make some applications here. Let's discuss this text. First, let's talk about government. Our hope as believers isn't in any government. Why? Well, if we just said that the government is from God, shouldn't we place our trust and our hope in that government? No, we should not. The reason for this is because of government is composed of people like you and like me. It's composed of sinful individuals like you and like me. There are some great governing authorities. However, they're only great in comparison their fellow governing authorities and to us. When we compare those great individuals to the laws of God, we see they are not so great. We see that there are major flaws. All our governing authorities are sinful, just like us. They will fail us, just as we will fail each other we cannot place our hope in any flawed person there is no hope in a single party or a single form of government big government small government no governments all forms of government will fail us our only hope is found in god do you want to see what perfect government looks like you won't see it the side of heaven. Look at the end of your Bible, in the book of Revelation. You can see there, perfect government. Look back at Genesis chapter 1. You can see there, perfect government. When we see our government fail, when we disagree with our government, When we see our authorities going against God, going against his decrees, it should cause us to yearn deeply for God to send Christ and to make all things right. We will not be in perfect alignment with authority as long as we are sinful and our authority is sinful. We will only be in perfect alignment and in perfect agreement when we are made complete in glorification. And our authority is God himself. Pray for this. Plead with God to make all things whole again. Plead for God to send Christ. Until that happens, we have Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 to deal with. Second, how should a Christian respond to rules and to regulations? Let's look at the text. Beginning verse 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? And do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. This morning, I'm not going to apply this text directly to your individual life. I believe fully in the power of the Holy Spirit to do that work. Right now, there might be some of you that are feeling convicted that feel, huh, I wonder if I did this correctly. Praise God that his spirit convicts us and shows us our weakness. I can list out a bunch of things that I think you should do to submit to our governing authorities. That just doesn't feel right to me at all, though. Instead, I'm going to leave this text in the very capable hands of the Holy Spirit, to show you how you are currently needing to be subject to the authority God has placed above you. The third question I want to answer is, where is grace? This text, whenever I first read it, almost feels to me like Christian karma. If you do wrong, then you will be punished. If you do right, then you will receive approval. This is how our world often operates. Good equals good and bad equals bad. What happens, though, when we are bad and cannot ever become good by ourselves? This is where we are in desperate need of grace. As we look at this text, should cause us to think of our own authority. As a parent, is this how we operate? Of good equals good and bad equals bad? I think as we evaluate this question, it should cause us to think and look to Christ. It's in the midst of this text that we can see ourselves and the perfect authority, God. Praise God. God, that he does not interact with us on these same grounds. The end of verse 4 is what we deserve. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. We have done wrong. We are sinful human beings who will continually sin. What we deserve is death. Thank God for Christ. Christ has taken our place. We have broken the law and justice must be paid. We are guilty on all accounts. Instead of the payment being paid by us, Christ steps in and pays our debt with his own self. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is what righteousness looks like. Praise God that we don't get what we deserve. Fourth and finally, the issue here within this text is not the authority. Our initial reaction and our initial desire most likely is blame. When you think back to Genesis 3 and the fall, we can see this already. I love how quickly... In Genesis 3, Adam responds. So we have uh, the, the sin of, of them eating of the apple occurring. And verse 11 says this. He said, this is God speaking, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Verse 12. The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Adam blames here the woman that God gave him. Naturally, we think that we are good, and others are obviously the problem. In fact, though, we are bad, and others are as well. When we struggle with authority, what it ultimately comes down to is our selfishness. How dare you tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me anything? You haven't walked in my shoes. You don't know everything that has occurred to me. You have no right over me. All of these expressions say one thing. I am my own boss. In the midst of this, remember the gospel. Remember Christ. Christ laid down his own rights to come to earth in the form of a man. He laid down his own rights for you and for me. And now many of us are unwilling to lay down our own rights to even follow something as simple as a speed limit sign. We always think we are the exception to the law. Surely that's only meant for them. That one was not meant for me. I want you to know right now, and I mean this with all love and care and concern, you are not special. (laughs) The law applies to you as well. Also, stop with our selfishness. What is it that you today need to lay down? I said at the beginning that I wish that I could just skip over this text. It's difficult One of the reasons that I wish this is because some of the, the controversial things that I just said. We don't want to hear that we are to submit, period. We don't want to hear that we should submit to our government, especially if we disagree with them. And yet, here we are. I have full confidence in the Word of God. In fact, I have much more confidence in the Word of God than any of the words that I have just said. I have confidence in the Spirit of God to illuminate this text to you right now in your current circumstances, in your current questionings going through your mind regarding this and that. So with that being said, one final time, I'm going to read these first four verses of Romans chapter 13. During this time, I ask this simply. Be open to where the Holy Spirit is prompting your heart right now. The question of that is, will you respond to the way that God is desiring you to respond? Will you walk away changed because of how God is using this scripture through the power of his spirit to possibly prune away some of the dead branches upon you. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 of Romans chapter 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrong.